0: that kind of humor. Uh, uh, Brother Mike, thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I thank you for, I thank God for your faithfulness and um, the faithfulness of your dear wife, Bernie, because you can't do it without her. And uh, boy, that's the, that's the way it is. I know I could not have served without the support of my first wife, who was sick for uh, over 37 years and just uh, terrible health. Um, MS and about 20 other things going wrong with her. And uh, the Lord uh, took her home. And uh, um, I had had a heart for the mission field uh, for some time, especially after my second missions trip in 2019. I work in two Christian schools uh, one is largely uh, Vietnamese, and the other is largely Filipino. And uh, the pastor of the Filipino church, Rudy Yabrat, asked me in the fall of 2017, Brother Steve, Brother Labans, would you like to go on a missions trip? Well, of course I would like to go on a missions trip. And then I went back again the next year in 2019. And it was then that God laid on my heart, I could spend the rest of my life in Southeast Asia because we went to the Philippines and Vietnam. So I've been to the Philippines four times, Vietnam twice. And many, many opportunities uh, to go to churches, schools, community outreaches, uh, you name it. And the laborers truly are few. Uh, All God wants is a willing heart, a willing body, and he'll find plenty for you to do. Whether it's here or abroad. So I had the mission field... Uh, on my heart for some time, but I didn't really share it with my first wife because she, uh, she had enough to deal with. But uh, the night that she went home to heaven, uh, God said, "Now you can go." And so my plan was: great, I'll just get a little apartment in the Philippines and uh, go wherever God leads me in the Philippines and Southeast Asia. And uh, and I, I I told God I didn't want to remarry because I had spent 37 years taking care of a disabled wife a, a sick and then eventually disabled wife i and if you understand i was just exhausted i was tired i worked three jobs um plus uh caring for my wife my daughter lived at home most of this time and she got married with me. it was the year that debbie went to heaven and um uh, god said since when do you start telling me what you're going to do and it took me about a half second to respond to the Holy Spirit and simply said, you're right, as usual. And uh, But I did not get online and start looking for a wife. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, I, spent, I didn't spend three hours that night going online, online to Christian fellowship groups looking for a wife. I did not do that. Um, I just surrendered. Then a few months later... There is a uh, wonderful m- veteran missionary. Um, he's been all around the world. And he is, uh, he's known me for a long time. And he saw me after our missions uh, conference service in the morning. And he had his second wife. Both had lost their spouses. I want to say spice. Isn't that the op- mouse, mice, spouse, spice? Yeah, right, teacher humor. Their <laughs> teacher humor strikes again. Uh, and uh, anyway he uh, he he got this smile on his face, and he was uh, probably about eighty eight at the time, and he 's still traveling the world with his second wife. but he said, "Steve, you need to remarry and um, and uh, he said, "Marry somebody young and uh, i I was just polite you know respect to the elder missionary still didn't look for anybody uh, the Lord and I'm really slow and shy so the Lord threw Jezza and me together and she has a tremendous heart uh, for the gospel for the Lord for the word for others and she's already been a tremendous help uh, on my February and July trips and we're looking forward to another trip leaving I'm leaving December 29th be gone a month. Uh, that way, I miss minimal school days, and then. Uh, but we're all point we're pointing to being uh, full time during the summer. I want. I'd, I'd like to be out of my apartment by the end of July, is what I'd like to do. Uh, it's interesting uh, when I've gone on the uh, on the mission trips. Uh, I haven't really experienced culture shock. And, and I understand what it's like to be the only white person among thousands. I understand what that's like. For 17 years, I've been tutoring Asian students in their homes. And I've learned their customs, eaten their food, and I'm very at home with them. And in the two schools that I teach, one is 85 to 90% Vietnamese, and the other is uh, mostly Filipino. Uh, with Central and South American. And I think I have one white student that I teach. So when I go to Asia, I don't find any culture adjustment problem. Uh, I'm, I'm among the people I spend my school years with. So the Lord has been getting me ready for this for 17 years. And the Lord knows what He's doing; He is so wise, and uh, we're, we're thrilled. We have uh, on the prayer cards. will some and, and Jezza mentioned some things. Um, uh, we will. We've already helped pastors with uh, teacher training, uh, counseling pastors and principals. We met with one pastor this last trip. He's in a rural community, uh, but having a Christian school would be a great outreach for the community. And so I met with uh, the, the teachers in his church and assistants and spent about two hours with them, just giving them a crash course on some things that they could keep in mind. God willing, we'll be with them again in January. Um, when it says relay funds, do you know one thing we really enjoy doing when we go to churches? is having some extra money that God's people have given us so that we can distribute to the necessity of saints. That is, I know this is not a, I, I haven't seen this word in the Bible, but it's fun. It is fun, it's a joy to go to churches, talk to a pastor, what need do you have? How can we help you? And then people sometimes just give us they typically have given us hundreds of extra dollars just to dish out to needy churches. Uh, churches have feeding programs. There are needy communities, people without enough food, so they have weekly feeding programs. That's a gospel outreach time. Yes, we have food for you, but guess what? We've now, we have more than just physical food for you. We have spiritual food. So sometimes a pastor will say, Any money you have, we'll take for our feeding, our our outreach program. So we do that. Um, Yes, we have our usual expenses, but we love going to churches and saying, oh, you don't have any fans here. So we'll buy some fans for the church. And a little air movement in hot, tropical air can be nice, correct? Yes, it can be. Um, And then we've done... uh, uh, community outreaches, not just through the feeding programs, but we have public school opportunities. Um, and we have had, uh, uh, I've gone to uh, three schools, uh, one school, there were 1,200 in attendance. Listening to the gospel, teachers, students, another school, about uh, 200 plus, you throw in the parents, faculty, 250 to 300 And we have different outreach opportunities. It's nice that we can go to public schools there. They actually welcome it. Now, what do we do also if the school has a need that we can help meet, Because oftentimes what we'll do is we'll go to poor communities, rural areas often. And they don't have much. So we'll help them with the project. There's one school we went to and they had a hand water pump. No running water. If you needed to go to the bathroom, you found a spot behind the school building, which was a rough building. Trust me. You find some bushes and you do your business. And that's the way it is. The next year, they had put in the new water pump that we had paid for, and they were able to take steps. They could actually have a real running water system. And... When we came, the kids were so excited. The parents would come to see what are these, what are these foreigners doing here. And usually I'm only the, the only white guy. I've got pastors I go with and people I go with, and they are, they are um, residents of the area or they are from the U.S., but they were born in the Philippines or Vietnam. But they're curious. The parents get to eat. The kids get to pick out clothing. And we give them the gospel. And who knows how many people get saved, but the point is we're reaching, and there are churches there to help follow up. Um, and then uh, I've had the opportunity to teach in a Christian college and give a seminar uh, two to three about three hours. Uh, Jezza helped me out about three hours on what biblical counseling is and mentoring. And really, discipling is mentoring, isn't it? That's, that's what it is. So that gives you an idea of what, um, of what we are going to continue to be doing in the Philippines and Southeast Asia. I've been to Vietnam twice, and uh, really after that, that second trip, pastors just said, when can you come back? Can you come back and help us? Can you come back and help us? I felt like it was the Macedonian call. And I, it's not that I tried to get the call out of my mind, but it was always there. Asia was, I was always, part of me was always in Asia. And now God has given me the opportunity to go. And I thank you for your prayers. Uh, God works and uh, to supply needs. We obviously need financial help. Um, but we, we really need prayer because, as George Mueller found out, prayer is how God talks to people. To work in their spiritual needs and then also to provide the needs Of the people. Thank you very, very much for the opportunity to be with you. We're going to look at Acts chapter 9. Please look at Acts chapter 9. And um, if you are able to stand uh, during the reading of God's Word, I ask you to do that. If you are not able to stand, I understand that can happen. And so... Uh, I like like the words of Jesus. She hath done what she she could, right? So we do what we can. And follow along with me, Acts chapter 9, please. And starting with uh, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women... He might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Let's pray. Father, be our teacher. The Holy Spirit inspired this book. We ask that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Please anoint my heart, my mind, and my mouth as I speak. Anoint all of our hearts as we listen. Conform us more to the image of Christ, we ask. If anyone here doesn't know Jesus, we pray that today would be the day he would become that person's Savior. And may you have more and more the preeminence in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, I know there are different kinds of people. They learn different ways. I am a teacher. I'm an educator. I have been a principal, administrator for many, many years. I've been on the Lord's work 45 years, celebrating my 45th year, full year in, um, in January. And I know people learn different ways. Some of you love to have highly structured notes. So I'm going to give you highly structured notes. Some of you don't care. You just listen, and that's fine. Um, some people go through a buffet and they have structure. I'm going to go to the salads first, do this, this, and you, you group all your foods. Some of you just, it doesn't matter, you, you just go to eat. So some of you are here just to eat and be fed and to become more and more like Jesus, the dump it all in one plate method. Some are here to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ with a very structured approach. So I will give you a structured outline. Are you all ready? Okay. Pens ready, paper out, uh, phones, whatever you use. All right. I can't get the teacher out of me. That is who I am. Um, Well, first of all, let's notice that Saul stopped. That is Roman numeral one. He stopped. He fell to the earth. I'd say that's stopping. Stopping and he was on his way to do what he thought was God's will, and a light shone from heaven, and he stopped. You know what you and I need to do? We need to stop. Every day we need to take some time to stop. Saul did not continue as if nothing had happened. We must not continue as if nothing has happened in our lives. Does God have power to overpower us to gain our attention? Can he do that? Yes. And we have all learned the first time, never having to be taught again, okay, Lord, you don't have to hit me hard again. Okay. Uh, It takes a few times. Uh, Have you ever done this? God, you don't have to hit me quite so hard. And then there's this pause. Yes, you did. We... Have a great step of faith, and then what happens? We slip, don't we? We do. So God can overpower us if he wants, but it sure is a lot easier if we don't have to go through the overpower stage and we can just listen to him. Have we graduated to being aware of his still, small voice? Now, God can thunder if he wants, and there can be a mighty storm that gets our attention But are we at the place where we can listen in the cave and listen to that quiet voice as God is trying to lead us? Now, under Roman numeral 1, we have capital A. We must arrest our actions. Arrest means to stop. We must arrest our actions. The scriptures say, be still and know that I am God. When we stop because of something incredibly huge that's happened, that's good. But then let's really arrest and bring into control everything else so that we can be still and know that He is God. Let's stop what we are doing, if even if what we are doing is a good thing. Because what God has is a better thing and is the best thing. We must be willing to arrest What we're doing to listen to God. Needless to say, after we have stopped, after we've stopped, if we're doing wrong, we need to cease that wrongdoing. We must abstain from every appearance of evil. We must abhor that which is evil. We hate it because of what it does to our relationship with God, in our effectiveness, in our outreach. We must stop what's been revealed by the Spirit and the sword of the Spirit. Secondly, capital B, we must assess our attitudes. So capital A, we must arrest our actions. Secondly, we must assess our attitudes. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We may appear to be one way on the outside, But when we're all by ourselves, the Holy Spirit tells us what we really are, and who we really are. He tells us what our attitudes and motives really are, and he speaks to us more effectively than any human speaker. God uses human speakers, but the best preacher I've ever had is the one that God planted inside me, and in this book right here. That's the best preacher I've had. We must assess our attitudes. Proverbs 21.2 warns us with this. Every way of man is, is right in his own eyes. I like, there is a movie that Bob Jones University put out. It was called Sheffy. I love just a couple things about that movie. But one thing that I got, I think our greatest enemy must be our own pride our own self-sufficiency. I can do this. I can walk the Christian life without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, without the Word of God. No, wrong, we can't. I fear my pride more than anything. I fear myself. For in my flesh dwells no good thing. And I know I have the Spirit of God living in me, but I also have something else inside me that won't be completely eliminated until I'm in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I still have that battle. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Let's look at our actions and our motives through God's eyes. God looks on the heart. You know that verse from the Old Testament? Man looketh on the outward appearance, God looketh on the heart. We need to spend time and just say, Lord, please reveal in me What is displeasing to you? What is keeping me from being more like your dear son? Capital C, we must adjust our attention. We must adjust our attention. Looking unto Jesus, seeing Jesus for who he is will cause us to make a course correction. I'm going this way. Maybe I started off on the right right way. But as time has gone on, this is what happens. And, oh, coming up here from the Los Angeles area, if you take Interstate 5, you go up from northwest Los Angeles. You go into the mountains, and you hit the 4,000-foot level. Like you do the Cajon Pass on the 15, you hit the Tajon Pass on the 5. You go down into the San Joaquin Valley toward Bakersfield, And there is a fork. You have Interstate 5 and you have Highway 99. And what's really interesting to me, when you have 5 and 99 split, the two are really close, aren't they? You could almost throw a rock from the 5 under the 99. But it doesn't take very long, and this happens, correct? the changes that occur in our walk with god are very can be very subtle but after a while this happens that's why we need to stop that's why we need to arrest that's why we need to assess and capital c that's why we need to adjust our attention i still know jesus is here but he's not at the forefront He's not front and center. I need to adjust. I need to adjust. I like the illustration that somebody used years ago. Did you know, um, and some of you are, some of you younger ones don't understand this, but do you remember that cars used to have the whole front seat was a bench seat? And what was really cool is she could sit right next to you as you drove. Yeah, that was really, really cool. Anyway, what happened is that this couple had been together for a while and they'd been married a while and, um, and she was saying to her husband, honey, do you remember when we were younger that <clears throat> we used to sit right next to each other and drive and wasn't that wonderful? And he looks at her and he says, honey, it was, but I haven't moved. Ooh. The driver hasn't moved. You know who's moved? I have. Now I'm still along for the ride, but I don't have that closeness that I used to have. Oh my. That happens to us, doesn't it? We're still in the car going the right direction. We're here in church. I'm in the car. I'm going the right direction, right? That's good. I'm here. And God is driving. Yes, he is. But what happened to the closeness? See, you and I can be doing and even appear to be going in the right direction. Uh, I've served the Lord for a long time. Does that mean that that whole time I've always been intimately close with my Redeemer? Well, of course, Brother Lavin's, true confession no did, was i still reading my bible yes was i still praying yes but i did was i was i sitting next to the driver or was i in the back seat or on the front row even just not as close as i used to have been happens to all of us it's like that couple. And God says, I haven't moved. God hasn't moved. You and I move. Maybe someone here today, you've moved. You know what God is waiting for? He's waiting for you to slide back. Okay, this is better. It's so much better that when, when you are just next to Him, that intimate relationship is what he wants. Now, uh, first of all, he stopped. Uh, Secondly, in order, then he saw, this is Roman numeral 2, Roman numeral 2, he saw, what did he see? A light from heaven. Now, what does light do? Light scatters darkness and makes the way clear. Uh, I know that there is a great preacher of the past, and uh, he said that perhaps the most important Light in the house is not that beautiful light over your dining room table. Oh, isn't that beautiful? We bought, you say, Pastor, we bought a new chandelier to go over our dining room table. It's, love it. it's lovely. And Pastor and his wife come. They they come and say, oh, it is. It's wonderful. You have them over and you have a snack, and this is beautiful. But you know, that great preacher of the past said that, He's arguing that the most important light in the house is not the beautiful chandelier over the dining room table. It's that little light in the hallway that shines all night to lead you safely to the bathroom. That's the most important light in the house so you don't trip and stumble and stub your toe and injure yourself. It's that little light. You know those, those tiny light. It's like a Christmas, the Christmas bulb light that used to be on the outside, those little things. Just a little light. That's the most important light in the house. That one. It keeps us from injury. It shows us the right path. That is what light does. It makes the way clear. Saul humbled himself to the light and the voice coming from the light, who was the true light himself. What does John chapter 1, 4 through 9 say? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John 1, 9 says, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That's what Jesus was trying to do to Saul at that time. There could be someone here who's been attending for a long time, but you don't really know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's been seeking, speaking to you, and you're chicken. You're afraid because of what people might think. You know something? If you've been attending for a while, and you have been convicted that you're not really born again, and you let Pastor Rogers know that you're not born again, do you know what the people of Faith Baptist Tabernacle will not do? Well, I thought I thought that was the case. I knew there was something wrong. Do you know what, do you know what people are going to do? They are going to say, glory to God. This is wonderful. Because perhaps one of the hardest places... For a person to get born again is in a church when the person has just spent a lot of time in church, has become comfortable and accustomed, but not aware of what the real spiritual need is inside. And then the Holy Spirit speaks and gets hold of that person. I'm thinking of a lady who was in, had been in church for years and years and years. And it wasn't until she was years into church she realized she wasn't really born again. She got saved. God totally changed her life. There's a man I know. He was actually in Christian work on a church staff. But he wasn't happy. Came from a preacher's home. Serving in a Christian college. And then he realized, I'm not born again. He got born again. Now, he has real life. And he's serving God from the heart, not from this. So, I don't know what your need is. But when you have the light of the world inside, if you don't know Jesus, he is the light of the world. He scatters that darkness, eliminates the darkness... When you are in the presence of the bright light, there is no darkness. Now, Christians, when we stray from the light, then darkness starts to become evident, doesn't it? Because we're farther away from the light. But when we are in the direct presence of God himself, we have joy, we have peace, we have security, we have confidence, that we are on the right track. When we are walking step by step with the Savior, we can't go wrong. You may think that things are going wrong. You don't need to be afraid of that. In the story, Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim is on his way, and he sees a lion. I'm afraid, the lion. And you know the messenger of God says, please look carefully. If you stay on the path, no harm will come to you because the lion is chained and he cannot reach you as long as you stay on the path. What seems to be danger, wrong, whatever you want to call it, when you are walking with Jesus Christ, you're never on the wrong path. You're always safe in his arms and in his care. Capital and, or he saw, we must allow him preeminence. We must allow him preeminence. Jesus only. Colossians 1.18 says, he is the head of the body, the church, which is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. No, not one among many. One among one. That's it. Jesus only. There are religions, for instance, there are some religions, um, there are Buddhists who believe that there are many good teachers. Ah, yes, I will accept Jesus along with the others that I think are acceptable. No. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's it. John 14, 6. We must allow Christ to have the preeminence. Secondly, capital B, we must affix his position. The word Lord is what we find in Acts chapter 9. And Luke 6.46 says, And why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Yes, Lord, as we pray. And does the Holy Spirit ever tap you on the shoulder like he does me? What does Lord really mean? What does Master really mean? Am I really your Lord? Well, yes, Lord. Then why aren't, you, why aren't you doing what I say? Now, you understand that when I speak to you, I'm speaking to myself. I'm simply sharing with you the sermon that God has already preached to me. Correct? Isn't that the way it works, Pastor? Right. We. It's one-on-one. We get, the, <laughs> we get the message from the Holy Spirit, and then after we've been convicted, <laughs> we share the sermon that we've already heard from the Lord. And that's, in case you don't know, that's the way it is with pastors. It's not like we're looking down. No, no. Oh, <laughs> yes, Lord, now I'm going to share the message that you've shared with me. That's really what happens. That's a, little, that's a professional secret, but now you know. That's how it works. Matthew 6.24, no man can serve two masters. We are affixing his position as Lord. We've seen light, we know it's Jesus, and now we're affixing his position as master. We cannot serve God and mammon. Um, We find also, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua 24.15. We have to make choices every single day who's going to be Lord and Master. Now, yes, He is the Lord. He is the Master. But on that personal relationship basis, who's going to be in charge of your life today? You get up in the morning. You you greet God. You tell Him that you love Him. And then Proverbs 16.3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Lord, everything today is yours. Capital C, we must adore him passionately. We must adore him passionately. Jesus asked, lovest thou me? John lay on Jesus' breast. Are we developing a lean on Jesus relationship in which we want to be close to Jesus? Do we want that? I encourage you believers, graduate, merge, move, go on from wherever you are right now spiritually to something closer. It that's even better. I had a relationship with Jesus Christ. It was real. He was my savior. I followed him. I was dedicated. I wanted to please him. But I'll tell you, when my my wife, Debbie, died, you talk about a change in relationship status, I can hardly talk about it without tears and getting choked up. I thought I had a relationship with God before. I did. I wasn't living a fake. There's a great preacher I know He said this, anything that makes us more dependent upon God is a good thing. Glory to God that when Debbie died, I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, I didn't go crazy with escapades, but I got to know Jesus in a way I never got to know him. He was my ultimate therapist, psychiatrist. I don't mean that in any rude way to God, okay? I don't. In fact, I give him all the credit for being the very best that you could find anywhere. He's the one who brought me through. But I just, I encourage you, take those steps to get closer and closer and adore him passionately. Is he becoming all we need? Is he our all in all? Are we cheating on Jesus emotionally? We're okay on the outside, but you know inside we're we have loves for other things. Then we're cheating on God, aren't we? We are. And we see that in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Roman numeral 3. He surrendered. He surrendered. He said, "Lord, what wilt thou have me to do?" Even Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine. He said, if it's possible, is there another way? Well, Jesus knew all this. But he was showing us that he was hurting for us. He became, he was God, God in the flesh. And he allowed himself to suffer weaknesses of the flesh in order to redeem us. That song says, I surrender all all. What do we say when it comes to Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and we say, okay everybody, what does all mean? All. Now let's apply it to ourselves where it really hurts. I surrender all. So the word all means all when we're leading someone to the Lord, but does all also mean all when we are talking about our surrender to All means all. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me, make me, after thy will. While I'm waiting, yielded and still. Take my will. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. When we sing those songs, are they really sung from the heart? We must abandon our minds, capital A. We must abandon our minds, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We must have the mind of Christ. Yes, we do have the mind of Christ, but is the mind of Christ controlling us? Are we bringing every thought into captivity? 2 Corinthians 10.5 And the disciples proclaimed to Jesus, they had left all. We've left all and followed you. Can we proclaim to Jesus, we have left all and followed you? Capital B. We must accept our mission. The Great Commission was given to all believers. Go ye, Plural. As members of an army, we have been commissioned and assigned orders. If you're in the military, you've been commissioned and given orders. And then what, Brother Mike, anybody else been in the military? Anybody else? Okay. Uh, Sir, I'll do this, but, but not this. Oh, man. Can you imagine that? I'm thinking of Gomer Pyle, the TV show. I'm thinking of Jim... Oh, golly, Sergeant! (laughs) And then Sergeant Carter just yells in Pyle's face. Um, We don't do that with God. (laughs) No. Um, We must accept our mission because we don't have any options. A person who is dead as we are as believers, doesn't have a will to say, uh, I'm not going to do this. No. Take my will and let it be thine. and no longer mine. Last, capital C. We must addict ourselves to the ministry. People have addictions. How much, what an addiction to be so in love with God and so captivated by Him That we just can't go a day without whatever ministry you have. It doesn't matter. Each believer in here has a ministry. You can't go a day without it. You've got to have it. Because you're addicted to the ministry. Because of your love, your craving for the Lord Jesus Christ. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. He lives. He lives. All he wants is you. No one else will do. Not just a part. He wants all of your heart. All he wants is you. Saved. Unsaved. Knowing Jesus is Savior. Not doing. Knowing Jesus is Savior. All he wants is you. There's a sweet picture I've seen Christmas time. Someone goes to Jesus and said, it's Christmas time. I don't have anything I can give to you. All I have is this. And the child is giving his heart to the Savior. And the Savior says, that's all I ever wanted anyway, is our hearts. Saul saw a light. The light changed, Saul. What has the light done for you? Jesus said he is the light of the world. For those who know Jesus is the light, are you walking in the light? Are you hiding your light under a bushel? Or are you letting your light so shine that others may glorify your Father? Now, most people can't go to the mission field, but you know something? You can all pray and give. And those of us who can go, we're going by God's grace. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ... He is waiting to lead you from your darkness and emptiness to light and